and uh, preach on the three troubling verses on women in ministry and women rising and actually tackle them and hit them. And I'm like, actually, we're in the middle of a series on the transformed mind, but what a better day to do it than uh, Mother's Day. And, and I've just I've had it here for a while. And so that's what we're going to do. Now, we're obviously a church that um, I'm kind of preaching to a church not to try and convince you probably of, hey, it's God's um, desire for women to be in ministry and things like that. That's, that's not what I really probably need to do here. But it is important that we know we don't just go, oh, well, I believe that and I don't know why I believe that. It's like I believe that and then here is actually some biblical grounds to why I believe what I believe. And then if there are verses that maybe, maybe stump us or trouble us, that we can go, actually, why, why, what's the reason behind this? What's the context behind this? What's actually going on right now? And it's reader relevance. I've used that word before. It's really important that we have reader relevance and understanding scripture. You know, people say, um, Liam, we should read the Bible literal. And I'm like, yes, how many Christians are being, um, you know, uh, sitting beside still waters and green pastures? Not many. <laughs> so there's prophetic language that happens and there's, there's literal things that God and Jesus and the authors actually talk about. There's prophetic poetry. There's different literary styles throughout the entire gospel and uh, throughout the entire Bible, sorry, and then there's letters that were written to specific people at specific times and addressing certain situations and certain contexts and things that were going on. And so we have to understand that when we're reading the Bible. We can't just go, well, I'm going to take this portion literally literally, and then I'm not going to cut off my arm when I sin. Like, you can't, you, do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? And so uh, it's really important that we understand that but let's, let's just go back to the beginning for a second when, you know, where was Eve created from? Out of the side of Adam. They were equal from the beginning. Yeah. Wasn't created from the head or the feet. It was out of the side. So they were equal, man and woman. That'll do. We might close there and we'll... Uh, <laughs> We'll call it a day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, uh, and so the curse, we're going to look at it in a second, but the curse actually brought about, you know, you'll put enmity between her seed and she will, bru- you know, he will bruise your heel and you'll bruise that verse. Okay, I'm not quoting it correctly, but, and, yes, it's in Genesis, yes. And, uh, and so, there's a picture already of... Uh, actually, let's go there, Genesis. Genesis 3. Let's, let's just get it right, because it does set this up. We we're going to go there in a second, but let's, let's do that. Genesis 3. We'll just start at verse, uh, in the middle of verse 1 there. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, uh, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, 
you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, uh, your eyes will be opened, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and saw the, the fig leaves together, and made themselves loincloths. And we just, well, I won't read it all for time's sake. But then the woman said, the serpent, uh, verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field and your belly shall go in dust and you shall eat all the days of your life. Then this verse, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That's talking about uh, Mary, Jesus and Satan. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Now, I just want to stop right there for a second I haven't met a man yet who his wife or his woman desires him and he's like, I'm going to rule over you and like lord it over you. That generally we'd think the, it would go the other way. So, yeah? But, but this word rule over here is the word basically to, um, to dominate from an aggressive sense. That's what the word means. So it's not like an equal, equal part, equal ruling. You know, like men are obviously different than women, and women are obviously different than men. Um, and they, you know, there's just different attributes. I don't need to. Hopefully, I don't need to go into detail. Um, and so, but this is talking about an actual a, a disunity of women trying to actually rule and reign over men, and and then obviously uh, men ruling and reigning over her. In, it, it does mean in a strength form. That is one element to that verse. But that is a part of the curse. Right? Are you, are you following? Okay, so the, that's part of the curse. Jesus made that gone at the cross. All right? So this is important because we have to understand. We can't just take the verses that we're going to look at and go, oh, we'll see Paul said women should be silent in church and they shouldn't speak. When Jesus had Mary, Martha, he had all these women in ministry and women that were following him. And then Paul even had this, um, there's a number of women apostles and prophets that are mentioned in scripture. And then it's like, okay, so we can't just take one verse and get it out of context. We have to go, what's the whole Bible and the whole picture and the story and the narrative of God actually saying about women and about men and about family and about husbands and about all of these things and get clarity? Because believe it or not, this still happens today in Australia in 2021 where women are not allowed to preach, they're allowed to be kids pastors, they're allowed to be youth pastors, but they can't be senior leaders of churches or they can't be anything else. They only are allowed to do certain things. It happens more than you realise it, I'm telling you right now. So I want to address a few, few of these verses and we're just going to go through them and then we're going to, we're going to pray. So the first one 
is, actually let's just do this, I've got some notes here. Um, oh, I love this, I didn't, I didn't quote this, I can't remember who quoted this, I think it might have been the, um, the Bible Project guys. The curse doesn't change God's way he looks at us, it changes the reality of how we see God and each other. The curse doesn't change the way God sees us. It changes the way we see God and each other. Um, Does anyone want to have a go at who the three apostles and prophets were in the Old Testament? Good interaction. Women. Yeah, 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 women. We're talking about women. (laughs) Isaiah, Ezekiel... Amos. Yeah, Deborah. Someone said Deborah. Yep. Esther. Esther was a prophet. Yep. She's not actually named as a prophet. There's three that are actually named as prophets. No. Old, oh, she technically is in the Old Testament still, but she was in the New Testament writings. Miriam. Deborah. And there's one other. She's got a very strange name. Lisa. No. <laughs> It's Halda. Halda. So, and then, yes, Anna is named as a prophet in the New Testament. Um, and then there's, we're going to look at a couple of others as well. But first verse, let's go to 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3. That's our first troubling verse. Trouble verses, I should say. Are you there? 1 Peter 3. Good? Got it? Cool. Uh, 1 Peter 3, verse 6 says this. Uh, as Sarah, uh, we'll go verse, actually we'll start at verse 5. For this is how the holy woman who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honour to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now this is pretty full on. I'm not going to go too much into the Abraham and Sarah bit, but I will say this. Um, If you read the verse that Peter's quoting about Sarah um, obeying Abraham, she like she had her opinion. Like Sarah, uh, there was the situation, and Sarah's like, "No, no, no! Listen, I think we should do it this way." And Abraham's like, "Well, I don't know if that's right." And Sarah's like, "No, this is what we're going to do." And Abraham's like, "Okay, right." So that's the verse, and and she says, "Sarah obeyed Abraham." Right. Then the next verse, this is important because he says, likewise, husbands. So he's talking to husbands. He's talking to husbands. And he's saying, all right, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, that's the bit that people, they quote, they're like, ah, women are weaker. They're weaker and men have to submit and rule over them like Abraham did with Sarah. It's like, well, did you read the Abraham and Sarah bit? Because Sarah owned him. (laughs) It's like it's not it's not talking about a I'm better than you or I'm this kind of thing. That word weaker vessel is the word fine china. 
That's cool. So listen to this. It puts it in a better context. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding, showing honour to the woman as like fine china, since they are heirs with you of grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So that your... It's in the Bible. (laughs) So that your prayers may not be hindered. (laughs) Yeah. So the way that we treat and honour women, especially this verse in context, it's talking about wives, men, is to treat them like fine china. To treat them delicately, to treat them to... I mean, you know, fine china in those days you brought out, that, that was your best. That's your best. Treat them well. Right? So that word weaker vessel is not talking about, well, I'm more superior to you and I'm, I'm going to lord it over you. Does that make sense? I can see little nudges going on from the wives with the husbands here. This, this is fantastic. <laughs> awesome. All right, uh, let's go to 1 Timothy, verse 2. This is the next one. So that's the first one. That's pretty simple. 1 Timothy, verse 2. 1 Timothy, verse 2. Uh, sorry, chapter 2. Sorry, 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 11. 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 11. We'll probably spend a little bit more time on this one. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. It's pretty strong. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Now, remember, we read that in Genesis, right? Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Now, this is where context and reading of scripture and understanding of reader relevance comes in and is super important. I mean, that just... Okay, Romans 16, um, Paul says, he talks about uh, Priscilla and Aquila in Acts. Remember those two? Priscilla and Aquila. Do you know that for the, for the time of that writing, to put a woman first is pretty radical. But Paul writes it, Priscilla and Aquila. Right? Romans 16, he says also, um, I'm just going to, I can't, I always forget her name. I think it's verse 7. So here he says, Greet Priscilla or Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ who risk their needs for my life. Then uh, in verse 7, he says, um, or verse 5, he says, Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epanius, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. There isn't a, there are some theologians who say Junia is a man, 
There is, I haven't really met or seen anyone that in, in, main, in mainstream theologians from all spheres that would argue that Junior is a woman. That most of them would say that is a woman name and that's a woman that he's talking about. And she's to be greeted as, as an apostle or with the apostles. So here we have women apostles, women um, prophets in the New Testament. And here he's telling them to be quiet in church. It's like, okay, something doesn't quite add up. So what's he addressing? So let's look at it. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit that word a woman is the word not women in general. It's talking about a specific person. It's, I, I, don't, I don't permit that woman to teach. He's, do you know Timothy's written in Ephesus? Right? Like he's, it's in Ephesus. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. And does anyone here want to take a guess, a guess what Acts, in Acts 19 there's a, in Ephesus, there's a goddess, Diana, the fertility goddess, goddess Diana, is in Ephesus who they worshipped, right? And there were certain women or a certain individual going around from in churches teaching a heretical doctrine that they believed that women liberated mankind when they ate of the tree because mankind was trapped in darkness. And when they ate of the tree, they liberated humanity. Right? And they were the superior being. And they were going around Ephesus from house to house teaching this. And Paul's saying, right at this point in time, women, you need to be quiet. And there's certain women that I do not permit to teach right now. He's not saying in general for the rest of humanity. He's saying, I'm writing to the church in Ephesus who are experiencing heretical doctrine. And I'm telling you right now, those women that are going around from house to house and church to church, they are not allowed to teach. Because listen to what he says next. Um, to exercise authority over a man, rather she is to be quiet. That word authority is to dominate, rule over by um, like an authoritarian type style. Then the next bit he says, for Adam was formed first. I mean, that's a strange... You kind of go, what? Where? Okay, yeah, we know Adam was formed first. Like, we're not... No one's arguing that. It's a strange bit of doctrine to put in there. He's like, hey, just by the way, letting you know, Adam, he came first, then Eve. Everyone in here is like, yeah, we know that. Why is that in there? He's saying that because he's addressing that very issue, that Eve... They were saying Eve was liberated. He's saying, hey, hey, listen, Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived. But the woman was deceived. And because a transgressor, yet she will be saved through childbearing. I haven't heard a sermon yet in 20 years of Christianity on that, mer- that women giving birth gives, leads to salvation. Uh, birthing a child, unbelievable. I'll stand every single day and honour that. It's incredible. It's amazing. And it's just absolutely brilliant. But I've never heard a sermon on giving birth and you're saved. So what is this talking about? It's saying, yet she will be saved 
I think it's the Young's literal translation, says, she will be saved through the one who bears the child. Jesus. If they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So we have the princess, we have the goddess Diana, not princess Diana. We have the goddess Diana. (laughs) Oh, we have the goddess Diana. And here these women are going around and he, he, um, multiple times, we don't have time to do it today because I want to to get this done. But um, I will say this, in 1 Peter, um, I think it's 1 Peter 4 verse 1, he says, now the spirit, uh, hold on. Yeah. Now the Spirit expresses, says, expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons through the insistency of liars whose conscience are seared. <laughs> There's another verse in here where it says, um, I think it's 2 Peter 1 verse 4. He says, uh, do, oh, I can't remember where it is, but it says, Do not give yourselves to myths, and endless genealogies which promote speculation rather than stewardship, which is from God. It's in Timothy. And so Paul is building this case. He's writing to Timothy and he's saying, listen, Timothy, I don't want these certain these women right now that are going around Ephesus, I don't want them to teach because they're teaching myths and endless genealogies which don't build up the body. They're tearing it down and they're, de- they're doctrines of demons. And he's correcting that. And, he's, and he says, um, there's four times in the book of Timothy where it says, uh, I think in verse 18, I think it's verse 18. He says, this is a trustworthy saying. And then he outlays the context. And then in chapter 2, verse, you know, whatever, he says, this is a trustworthy saying. And then he lays out the context. And then the next he goes, this is a trustworthy saying. And then he lays out the context. So you can actually see the chapter breaks of Timothy and what he's addressing systematically. It's beautiful. Right? Does that make sense? Yes? So it's really important. Here's a, if you're taking notes, these are just some important uh, tools to help us. Who is it written to? What is it regarding? Right? And is it applicable for me today? Who is it written to? What is it regarding? And is it applicable today? Okay. Now, to put this in context, do you know there's a verse in Jude where it says there's a guy that was preaching heresy and he says, I forbid him to preach. Talking about a man. I haven't heard a doctrine yet that says men are not allowed to preach in church. Or if we're going off the same context, we'll take one verse out of context, let's just take another. (laughs) It's like, no, we don't do that. And so here we have to understand the cross equalised everyone. There's neither slave nor Greek nor female nor male. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Ah, that's good. (laughs) Hmm. Okay, so is it applicable today? Is it applicable to me? So verse, uh, if we go one more verse, one more thing on this. 
1 Timothy 1.15 says this, um, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. He starts that verse with, Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of which I was the foremost. And then that thought gets finished at the end of chapter 2, where he says women will be saved through the child bearing. That's the finish of that thought. And he's saying Jesus is the one that came through Mary to save sinners. He closes that thought off and then chapter 3 starts a new thought. Anyway, that's, that's, that's that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Great. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 34. Jump, to, jump there. This is our last troubling verse. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34. Now, important again to note that in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul makes a statement where he says, uh, As I have written to you before... So 1 Corinthians is the second time that Paul has written to the Corinthian church. Super important to note, right? It's, it's super important because we don't have, we now can say, oh, quotes and um, we can, you know, edit things and we can put in a quote from someone or we can say, you know, we just have the technology to do that. We have um, a whole bunch of technology that obviously they didn't have back then. So that's, that's important. But he'd written to them before, and so that's, that's just bank that one. That's super important to know. Then in 1 Corinthians um, 11 and 12, talking about the spiritual gifts and 13, and the beginning of chapter 14, Paul actually says, uh, when, when you women are prophesying, or when people are prophesying, when women are prophesying, adorn themselves with, with a head garment. Do you remember, remember that verse? So he actually says, when women are prophesying, right, adorn themselves with head garments or put a, you know, put a, a covering over their head, right? And the verse we're going to read in a second, he says, he, you know, it's basically like women are not allowed to lead a church, they're not allowed to preach in church, they're not allowed to do anything, speak in church. But only a couple of chapters before, you said women were okay to prophesy in church, which I think is a higher, I think that's like a, you're speaking on behalf of God. You're not just saying a good thought or, a, or like something that you've learned. You're talking on behalf of God. You're allowed to do that, but you can't preach. I don't know. I think mean, that's a bit... It seems like either Paul's having a bad day or there's context, right? So, verse 14. <clears throat> uh, sorry, chapter 14, verse 34. All right, verse 34 says this. Uh, verse 33. For God is not the God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. Now, this is, this is where people go, hey, it says all the churches. This is not just talking about one church. This is now talking about all churches. So this is where people get stumped. For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. For the, 
If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Strong words. I would like to propose that what we're seeing here is a quote that Paul has is now quoting their return letter to them. He's quoting it. He's addressing their question. And he's, it's, if we can put quotation marks at the beginning of that and at the end of that, and then we're going to read the next verse and hopefully you'll see why it makes sense. Because we know he's written to them once before in 1 Corinthians 7. And then now they've obviously written back to him. And he, he addresses things multiple times throughout Corinthians. Uh, as, as you mentioned, da-da-da. Now, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, like he's, he's saying, hey, listen, concerning that question, I'm going to address it. And he's talking about a church service. He's saying this is how you, how you outplay a church service. You know, you, you shouldn't just have someone get up and be like, Shandaraba, Sukuriya, without interpretation. That's just not going to edify anyone. Right? He's not saying don't speak in tongues. He's saying don't just preach a message in tongues without an interpretation. That doesn't, make, that doesn't help anyone other than the person who could understand the interpretation. Yeah, Does that make sense? So he's laying out these spiritual gifts and he's addressing certain issues. Then he quotes this quote, because listen to the next verse. I don't mind the kids being noisy at all. Guys, Don't doesn't bother me at all. If it bothers someone else. Verse 36 says this. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or a spiritual, he should should acknowledge that things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy... And do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. So this weird verse, smack bang in the middle of verse chapter 14, where he's like, women can prophesy, just put a head garment on, can't speak in church. But actually, and then, and then he goes, are you the only ones that the word of God, God came to? Are you the only ones that it reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that these things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but in all things should be done decently in order. He's like, "Are are you that arrogant that you think this is just about you? Like he's, he's pretty harsh here. Right after he's like, women should be silent in church. And then he's like, it's confusing. But I, I believe, because he says, verse 29, he's like, let two or three prophets speak. Let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all will be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Then we have this weird verse. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be submissive to the law 
also said, is, says, if there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Let two or three prophets pass judgment. Let all be edified. Not just men and women. Let all be, not just men. Let all be edified. Our women, keep silent in church. Shut it. Keep quiet. Ask your husbands. Let it be done. Let, let it be, right? In all the churches. And then he's like, how arrogant do you think you are? Do you think you're the only ones that this is? This is what God, let it be done in order and in peace. Do, do you get it? It's, it's, it's confusing. The, the, uh, where we have this from for context is um, one of the first Greek translations. When you read a Greek or a Hebrew Bible, I can't read Greek, but when you read the Bible, you can see quotation marks. You can see quotes. It's like he's quoting a former letter. That, that they had written to him and he's addressing it. Does that make sense? Hmm. All right. So, we have weaker vessels, fine china. We have a very specific um, incident that happened in Ephesus where Paul's like, addressing a certain person and certain women that were going around and teaching heretical doctrines. And then we have a letter that Paul is answering their response. He's addressing their response. Say, listen, you, you, you can't get that. You have to go two chapters before he says women can prophesy. So you can't get, now Paul's saying women need to be silent in church. It just doesn't make sense. Who was the first person that Jesus revealed himself. Oh, thank you, sweetheart. Is that a, a flying bird? Yeah. Awesome. Who's the first person that Jesus shows himself to? Mary. Yeah. Women at the well. The woman at the well. She's one of the greatest evangelists. Patini. One of the greatest evangelists of all time. She goes back to Samaria and leads an entire village to the Lord. History records that. There are women prophets. There are women apostles. There are women ministers. It is the will of God, again, once the curse has been broken, which it was at the cross, he equalised neither slave nor free man, nor Jew nor Greek, nor male and female, that humanity would become one again as a husband and a bride, a woman and a man, that yes, we're different and there's things that men can't do that women can do and vice versa. But we, in the Western world, like we've come a long way in, in women, with women. I mean, you'd look at Pakistan or Syria or, you know, the, the Middle East right now, the way women are treated, it's, it's crazy. It's like the days of Jesus. You know, they can just divorce a woman, just like, hey, I'll divorce you right now and go sleep with another woman right then and there. It's crazy. So we've come a long way. However, I believe this. I believe um, equal honour amongst the different sexes, men and women, and 
and, and the way we honour each other and the way we treat each other, and we're specifically the way men we treat women and, what, and husbands treating your, your wives, he, he, Paul's, Peter's writing, he says, your prayers will not be hindered. I mean, that's, big, that's a bold statement. And Jesus finished that at the cross and he made men and women equal again. Out of Jesus' side is where the church was birthed, second Adam. Out of Adam's side is where Eve came, first Adam. When he speared, you know, the cross, water came out. That is a picture of the birthing of the bride of Christ, which came out of the second Adam, out of his side. And women, there needs to be... This, this isn't like a... Anyway, we won't go down that track. But we need to have a great understanding and a great honour for women in ministry and say, hey, which we do here. I'm, not, I'm preaching to the choir. This is not like I'm trying to convince you guys of this. But I just wanted to give some context as to those three troubling verses as to why we believe what we believe. It's not just because it's we're a modern day church and we want to be current with the times. No, we want to be current with the Word of God. If the Word of God says Liam Swains have to stand on their head upside down to receive Jesus Christ, then by golly, that's what I have to do. Doesn't say that, so praise God. All right, why don't you stand? Let's stand. Is that good? Awesome. If you take out women, you take out a half of God. We're all created in His image and in His likeness. I'm not going to go down this, but I will say this. Parable with the talent, where he says, you know, the parable of the, the, the prodigal son, the prodigal and the uh, lost sheep, and then the lost coin. It's a woman who sweeps the house clean. The other two are about men, and that one's about a woman. Where he says, uh, you know, there's 5,000 men plus women and children. That was radical writing for that day. That wasn't an oppression of women. That was an, an exaltation of women. Radical writing of that day. That wasn't like a we suppress women. That was a, hey, guess what? Women and children were there with Jesus. Women and children. He came to destroy their current day mindset of women. So, Father... Everyone just put out your hand. If you've got a wife or a mum or someone around you that you feel comfortable with, just put a hand on them. A sister in the Lord. And God, I just repent right now and I ask for repentance just of any um, ruling over that the church has done for centuries of ruling and dominating women from a we are better than you sense or we are more superior than you, or we are um, in some way uh, 
higher and, and more esteem. I just repeated that right now. Or any woman in here that's been shut down or told she's less than because she's been told she's a weaker vessel or she has to be shut up in church or be quiet. And I just repent of that right now on behalf of all the women in this room. And I say, let, let, let you would arise, women. You would arise and you would shine for his light has come. And we value you. We value who you are. We value the differences that you bring. We celebrate them. We nurture them. We treat them like fine china. And we honour them. We honour you women. We honour you mums. We honour you grandparents. We honour you daughters. That you are daughters in Christ. And you have an equal portion and an equal part to play in this thing called the gospel. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Alright. I didn't quite get it done in half an hour. But we finished a lot earlier this morning than we normally do. So... Is that good? Can we just give the women a hand and give the mothers a hand again? Yeah, awesome. Love you, women. Love you.